I think one of the richest gifts that we've had in our marriage has been kind of a life group, let's call them, a group of eight, nine, ten couples that we've been in a Sunday school class with for 20 years. They have been life-giving, they've been affirming, they've been strong when we are weak, they have really uh, championed our marriage, and uh, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. I hope you have somebody like that in your life. Uh, If not, you're going to hear why it's important uh, on this episode. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley. He leads our marriage team here with his wife, Erin. She's not in the studio with us today, but uh, Greg, who are some of the friends who have helped you in your marital journey? It's funny, you talked about your small group, your Sunday school class. I mean, that's just been the same for us. In different seasons, different places we live, we've always had a small group, and those people have always been instrumental. There, There's one couple in particular who were very, very honest about infidelity that they had gone through and how they'd recovered from that. But I remember why that was so powerful is is that what that did within their marriage is that it it created an opportunity for them to really learn how to be really super honest and to talk about stuff that a lot of us are afraid to talk about, you know, temptations and lust and pornography. And this couple so modeled a beautiful way that they just constantly were being honest and talking and initiating those kind of discussions that it really made a difference for Aaron and I going, oh, so that's what that looks like. And that's how <laughs> how you can do that. Yeah. And that, that's part of the power of having communities. You know, not only do you have fun and, and grow together, but man, we, we have learned some some of our best lessons from these couples that we've been in community with. Well, let's go ahead and hear from Dr. Tim Muehlhoff and his wife, Noreen, about um, why community is so important to them. Uh, here they are now with Jim Daly. When we look at those weapons, we've talked a lot about the other guy's weapons. Well, we got some weapons, too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you talk about in the marriage relationship is the weapon of community. Mm. And I'm speaking mm. weapon as a positive thing. Right. You know, our weapons don't line up with the other guy's weapons. Ours is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, mercy. Community could be yeah. perceived in there. You know, relationship, we're made for relationship. The other guy's envy, strife, jealousy, all the ugly side of humanity. So speak to the issue of community and why is that important for married couples particularly? Well, I think one of the um, strategies of the enemy can be isolation. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when you're in community, that's the antidote to isolation. And even if you're just isolated together as a couple and you don't have anybody encouraging you, you don't have outside eyes on you saying like, Hey, you look like you're struggling. Can we help? Or you don't have other couples who are saying, we struggle with that too. You can begin to look at your marriage and go, we're losers. Something's wrong with us. This isn't working. He's the wrong person. I'm the wrong person. You come up with all these, again, lies that if you're not in community, those lies can take root and you begin to believe them and you make decisions based on those lies. And I think community can be that speed bump to letting those lies become embedded and then taking action on those. Yeah, you you mentioned community, but I think we're so illiterate nowadays, if I could say it that way, Mm -hmm. that I'm not sure that we actually know what to do in community. What you're talking about being in community and being believers in community Mm -hmm. particularly, 
is understanding the weapons of our warfare. And you even, I think, relate that to Ephesians 6, right. which is the, the, the spiritual weapons that we possess right. and the defensive right. uh, armor that we have. Absolutely. Talk about th- that component and how we need to apply those things. So here's the, here's the cool thing when you're, we're at a university with people who study a book their entire life. I mean, think about that. So we have a, a, a gentleman at Biola, Dr. Clint Arnold, who has studied Ephesians his entire life. Mm-hmm. So I bought him many it's copies, amazing. many yeah. copies yeah. with a legal pad, just writing like a mad person. He said two things I will never forget. He said, you have to remind people it was a letter. We added the verses uh, and chapter breaks just for easy reference, but it, it was a letter. So if you read the letter, his point is as clear as a bell. He's talking about in Ephesians 5 about marriage and it bleeds seamlessly into armor, the spiritual uh, breastplate of righteousness, right? Shouting our feet with the gospel of peace and things like that. But in the letter, it is one continuous thought, meaning if you're going to do this thing called Christian marriage, you better get dressed because the battle's at your feet, spiritual battle. But then he made a point, but what made the Roman army so effective? Two things made the Roman army so effective. One was their shoes. They actually, they were the first to put spikes in their shoes. Mm. So they could run up mountains, but when they stuck their foot in the ground, you're not pushing them off that ground. But they also locked arms with each other and knocked knees. The Persians could not move them off a spot. So the point that we make in the book is, if you were to say to Paul, uh, is spiritual battle just one Roman soldier? Is that the metaphor I'm trying to use? He would go, oh, no, 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 not the soldier, the cohort. Mm-hmm. It's the group of Roman soldiers that were so powerful. So I think Paul is even there suddenly saying, listen, families, marriages, one Roman soldier going against Persians would get obliterated, but a Roman cohort coming together is not going to be moved off that mark. And so first thing we did when we got to Biola University, we pulled together a marriage group. Hmm. And we've had this group for now 16 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just life-giving because you were talking about isolation, Noreen. Mm-hmm. You can just feel like you're the loser family that has a wayward teenager. You're the loser family that is having a really hard time uh, resolving this issue. And, and that gets rid of all of it. When an, another couple that you respect goes, are you kidding me? Our teenagers, we were going to ship them off. We didn't know what to do with these kids. I think Satan loses a great piece of ammunition there because it's like, you're not alone. This mm-hmm. is normal. Mm-hmm. And then Satan can't use it anymore because you normalized it. So you got to have that cohort with you. And I get that it's frustrating and people don't know how to do it. And so I say, grab one or two couples and say, uh, let's read a marriage book. Let's read a Mulehoff book. I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> you're thinking in the right Gee, direction. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> Well, that was good stuff, and uh, Greg, it's so important for us to take spiritual warfare in our marriages seriously, and um, we've been talking about community and why we need it. What about the person who says, I don't even know where to start to find community, especially after COVID? I mean, every small group I had got blown up, and there's I just don't feel a part of anything or any any church body, any group at all. Yeah, I know for me that, like, you know, the first place that I would encourage someone to look at is church. So when I go to church, I'm just such a creature of habit. I love routine, and I always steer the family towards this exact spot. So for me, all I need to do is kind of do a 360 view real quick and go, what couples are always <laughs> around us? And how about when they we get that, you know, take one minute and go say hello. 
let's go up to a couple nearby and just introduce ourselves. You never know. That might lead mm-hmm. to that sort of connection. You talked about, you know, small groups and having a Sunday school class. And, and for a lot of us, those have started up again. I know ours have. Well, we meet, you know, we connect really well with certain people in our small group. Why aren't we inviting them over to share a meal? Just the, the two couples are going out and having some fun together. I mean, that's how you begin to, to develop that. Look around the office. And, you know, I mean, John, you and I are friends. Well, what keeps the, the, the two couples, you know, Dina and Aaron and the four of us going out and hanging out? Yeah, I, you know, I keep us from doing that, know, generally I, speaking. I assume. But, but thanks for the invite. Reason, and but... uh, tonight's book, but what about tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, it yeah, that's worked. a natural place We're to, have to look. Colleagues, so try maybe, hey, yeah. you never know that maybe the, the four of you really hit it off. You know, same thing, neighborhood, you know, I am so bad because I'm such an introvert and I hate people. So I'm terrible. <laughs> it's, you know, I'll maybe wave at a neighbor, yeah. but you know what? We we have, there's a neighbor across the street that looks about similar age as us, kids about the same age. Why haven't we not invited them over? I mean, that's that's a great place. And then even, you know, school. You know, so right now for our daughters in track, and we're sitting constantly next to the same yes. group of people. Yes. There we go. There's another place to draw from. And I would say even, you know, community activities, like maybe it's a, maybe there's a, you're playing pickleball or there's some, you know, intramural team that you and your spouse are a part of or a class that you've taken, an art class, a dance class. You know, you're, you're volunteering somewhere and there's another couple all those places are, are just such a hotbed that of, of full of couples that, that we can get to know and they become a part of our community and we mm-hmm. so desperately need people constantly fighting for our marriage and encouraging us and gr- helping us grow within our marriage. Yeah, and um, it may be that you're in that spot. Maybe you've relocated or your church hasn't reopened really with any vibrancy or you're new to town, any number of things. Um, it may be that you need to start with talking to one of our counselors. We have caring Christian counselors on the staff. Our donors make it possible for you to have a free consultation with one of those counselors over the phone. They can provide a referral for you to engage in an ongoing uh, counseling relationship if you're just really struggling and uh, what we've talked about is helpful, but you need to go a little bit deeper. And if you want to learn more about that spiritual aspect to um, marriage, contact us for a copy of the book from Dr. Tim Yulhoff. We do recommend this. It's called Defending Your Marriage, and we're making that available to you for a monthly pledge or one-time gift of any amount. You'll find all the details to donate and get a copy of the book in the show notes. We'll hear from Bill and Pam Farrell next time, uh, speaking about letting go of little irritations in your relationship. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team here, thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Mm -hmm.